feel a little ornery? Feeling a little ornery today. Okay, here we go, here we go. All right, so let's do something together. Would you do something with me, even though it's going to be weird? Would you do it? You don't have to get up. You don't have to say anything, okay? But you do have to do something for about three to four minutes, just one thing per group. Are you ready? Me and Becky are doing this. It's going to be weird with just Becky and I, but we're doing it. All right. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. You guys over here, you guys are the left section, or your fa you actually feel like you're the right section. I understand that. And so, so when I, I'm going to come back in a minute, but here's what I want you to do. I just want you to do this right here all together, okay? I'll come back. I don't want your hands to get too hot. I don't want to start a fire. I just want you to do that right there. Okay, this section over here. All right, your job is to do this right here. Okay, all right, okay, you got it? Can you guys do that? Or, uh, I'm not seeing a lot of rhythm over here, but it's okay. It's okay. Now this section, your job is to... That's all you got to do, okay? You got it? You got... You sure? Tucker, you got this? Okay, I'm just... You're not going to forget. Okay, all right. And you guys over here, you are... You ready? You got it? You got it? All right, okay. What I tell you guys you're doing? Oh, that's right. Okay, let's go. Don't stop. That's my steps for the day. <laughs> you made it rain. <clears throat> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> it is so beautiful when the body of Christ comes together and does its thing for the king. When the Father is orchestrating that thing, it brings a beautiful rain on the community that the people are in. I come from Tennessee, and it's a very wet part of the country. But every now and then, we'll have a drought year. You have never seen the cracks that form in a, a part of the country that normally is wet. You could drop something down some of those cracks and not hear it hit. They go so deep in some places. And so it gets dry sometimes. And then there are seasons in my life that we've called for churches to pray for rain because farmers are about to go bankrupt and those kind of things. And then a rain will come. And you, you don't want a, a really hard rain at first. It'll wash the crops away. But it, it comes, especially if it's a gentle rain to begin, and then it can ha get heavier as the ground moistens and can take it in. But I remember that as a, as a youth. Drought, famine type, drought type years. Well, the whole world is in a famine. Amos called it a famine of hearing the word of God. Uh, certainly a famine of knowing what real love is and what the goodness of God is or what goodness in general is. And so God put his church on the earth. And we're the rain. 
We bring the water. We bring the goodness. So what we just did is just an audio illustration of what we're able to do when we serve together. Make sense? All right. So today we're talking about serving. <coughs> Excuse me. In this series, we've been talking about rethinking church. We started out with talking about the sermon and realizing that when we come together, uh, it's not just about attending church or getting something checked off a list, but it's about being the church and going out and doing something about it. Then we talked about worship. And in that week, we learned how that every moment of our life is actually a moment of worship. And it's all in how you direct those moments and who you give them to. Last week, we talked about giving. Giving as an act of war and aggression against an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And today, we take that a little bit further in the idea of serving. How that God wants to do things in this world with your hands, with your feet, with your words, with who you are. That when we come together on a Sunday morning, this isn't all there is to church. This is just us coming together to encourage each other, build each other up, love on each other, support each other, so that when we go out and hit the fray, the battle tomorrow morning, we have some courage to get us through. That's what this is about. This is really a huddle. This is a, a pep rally, so to speak. Eh, it's more than that. But still, it's a time we come together for each other. When I was a kid, I was in smaller churches, and we used to have things called potlucks. If you know what a potluck is, say, Jesus loves you. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, and there was always a favorite potluck. Wasn't there always that one usually elderly lady that came in and everybody was making sure she wasn't there? If she was sick, you wouldn't even go. <laughs> Just kidding. Potluck. What's a potluck? Everybody brings a dish and shares with each other. Now, not long, after, not long before I moved away, another big phenomenon popped up in my community that I grew up in. It was the, the buffet bar. They opened these restaurants called Ryan's, which is a super buffet. Interestingly enough, the obesity problem in the South got much larger after Ryan's opened. <clears throat> What's a buffet? Well, somebody, a staff, puts together this line of food, and, and you don't bring anything. You just come, pay a little money, and you walk the line. I miss potluck days. And that's, a lot of folks look at church like the staff and the volunteers, that's their job to set a buffet. But I say that church is a potluck and it's built on what we all bring together. Now today the worship team did a great job, right? I think it, I think you should give it to them. We love that. We want to come together in corporate worship. We need to hear sermons and messages that challenge our thinking and that's great. But where the real magic happens at church, if there is a, a magic to happen, it's the before and the after. That's my favorite time at church because I love either participating in or watching the conversations. I love it when I see a couple people, maybe one's in tears and the other one's praying. I love that pre-service, post-service ministry because that's when the body is ministering to the body. I love it. And so today, as we get into this idea of serving and think about, is there a place for me to serve? Am I supposed to serve? You can have some strange ideas. Some folks think that, the, the, that only the, the experts are supposed to serve. It's kind of a product of our American mentality. You know, we, only the professionals should do things. And 
John Piper wrote a book for pastors about 15 years ago. It said, hey, brothers, we are not professionals. And that's true. Ministers are not professionals. We're just servants trying to serve the body ourselves. Weak people, often broken ourselves. In fact, that's usually what gives us our strength is the fact that we've been broken. And so we come together. You've got to understand that it, it isn't a staff that, lead, that serves and ministers to. We all serve and minister to each other because in doing so, we're serving and ministering to Christ himself. And so when you think about serving, as we talk about today, where you, uh, where you fit in and how you might serve, just start thinking a little bit bigger and a little bit more practically as to how that you can be serving the body of Christ and serving the community that this particular body is uh, located within. So let's jump first to Galatians 5.16. I'm still winded off the rain. <laughs> Excuse me. Galatians 5.16. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is our core text today. This is everything we talk about based in those three, three phrases. So let's start with Paul's declaration that you, you, me, we have been called to live in freedom. Say freedom. freedom. Feels good. Kind of rolls off the tongue. Makes you want to put on some blue paint. Freedom! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, just kidding. I'm a lunatic at heart. I meant to say child. I'm a child at heart. We're called to be free. Free from what? Because this is clearly the beginning of serving. If we're going to get to a place of serving from love, we have to begin with a, from a place of freedom. So what is Paul talking about? Free from what? Free from a job? Well, that's not realistic. Free from worry? Eh, maybe. What about the idea of freedom from a thing called sin? Oh, that's our favorite thing to talk about in church, right? We live in a world today that makes sin a joke. You know, it's just a, you say the word sin, people are going to look at you cross-eyed or weird or something like that. But it's something that every person, especially if you haven't come to faith yet, it's an idea that you have to deal with. What is sin? Because the Bible talks about it a lot. So, you know, I could give you a lot of definitions for sin. One of my favorites and most convicting, I think it's in the book of James. He says, the thought of foolishness is sin. And if you knew the stuff I thought about, you're like, whoa, that poor guy. Um, I'll tell you the simple way to think of what sin is. Sin is my way over God's way. Now, that probably is a really uncomfortable definition. But that's what sin is, and here's why I say that. Because we are in sin because we reject God as God in our life. And we do it every time we say things like, hey, I do what I want. I'm in charge. I'll make the decision. You see, those indicators, I do what makes me happy. Those statements show us where our heart really is and who our God really is. Because when we say those statements, we're de declaring ourselves as God of our own lives. And that's what causes the sin problem. You cannot do right 
without the true God as your God. Can never accomplish righteousness, can never move in real unconditional love. You'll never have true power as long as you're God of your life. And that's where sin comes in. That's why we're sinners. We're born in it. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Actually, Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned and has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every person on the planet has a sin problem, and they're in bondage to that sin. And it's not... It even gets worse than that. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Because we are God of our own lives, we cannot save ourselves. And therefore, we, our lives end in death, even eternal death. You can't free yourself from that. You can't fix that. No amount of good deeds that you might accomplish will ever make that problem go away. You gotta stop being your own God. You gotta find a new God. I have an idea. There's this guy named Jesus Christ. He came from heaven to earth. The Creator became that which He created. That Creator that became the Created walked this earth perfectly. Every moment completely dependent upon God as His Father. He ministered and served the whole while he was here. He did everything the Father wanted him to do. And then at the end of his life, which was so beautiful and so wonderful, he died most terribly and was nailed to a cross. And the only human being who ever lived that was not under the condemnation of the wages of sin died in our place. And he said in John 14, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I offer you a new way. I realize I'm talking to a lot of believers in this room. But if you're here today and you have never come to that point that you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and his Father God of your life, then that's the first order of business. We start by trusting Jesus. Until you have that defining moment, you cannot be free, and you'll never actually be able to serve for any reason outside of self-interest. You'll never be able to serve outside of your own self-interest until you are free from your own sin. Okay? That's the gospel. It's the basis for serving. The basis for serving is Christ. And because of that cross, you're free from sin, free from judgment, free from the wrath of God, empowered to live righteously, empowered to live in a way that demonstrates Jesus Christ's love, life, and the goodness of the Father on this earth. This is the foundation for everything. If you've heard me often say, I don't know all the questions in life, but I know the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. This is the thrust and the core and the foundation of the gospel. And it applies in every situation. And this isn't part of the sermon, but I'll throw it in totally for free. No extra ties required, okay? You got marriage problems? The gospel's your answer. You have problems with your children? The gospel's the answer. Problems in your business? Problems in your health? 
problems with your relationships, problems with your friends, problems with your attitude. I don't care what the problem is. The gospel is foundationally the answer. And it will work out in your life as you lean into it in ways that you never thought possible. So that's why when we come to the issue of serving or worshiping or sermons or giving, we have to come right back to the gospel. It is the foundation that Jesus Christ laid that no one else can lay, 1 Corinthians 13. And what you build on that foundation with your remaining days is what matters for you. But you cannot change foundations. Amen? Amen. You're still here. <clears throat> All right, good deal. If you know someone, if, I mean, this is a great time to pray for someone who may be struggling with the uh, issue of God and faith and those kinds of things. So, now, once you're set free by the gospel, you're set free from sin, you've moved into the place of salvation, now you're in a place where you don't have to move from self-interest anymore. I mean, we're all kind of selfish, right? Okay, I'm kind of selfish. All right, I'll let, you, I'll let you get by with it, okay? We all kind of get to a place where it's all about us. And church is one of those places that we're pretty good at making it all about us. Well, you know, we, we come in, we kinda, we're in a day and age where we make church like a retail establishment. You know, like walk in, like, their hamburgers are kind of tough. Their sermons are kind of long. The worship doesn't really work for me. The jokes are lame. Yes, they're lame. That's the point. <laughs> Hello. Jeez. We, kinda, we sometimes come to churches and, and, and look at it like consumers. You will never consume your way into righteousness, man. Really. You can sacrifice your way there, but you can't consume your way there. And that's something we have to keep in mind as we move into the ideas of, of uh, serving, that we have to get outside of ourselves, and the gospel frees us from those selves. If you don't, by the way, if you don't, if you don't lean into the gospel, if the cross isn't your foundation, then you will serve for all the wrong reasons. And I have seen it many times throughout my ministry and in business and in volunteer efforts around communities. People serve because they're trying to earn approval. People serve because they're trying to avoid their pain because they're wounded inside. They, they serve to try and remedy the guilt that they experience. They serve to try and impress God. Some serve to try and qualify for heaven. I know, to me, that's an absurd thinking. And I, I don't want to insult you, but I just I want to ask you a question. I mean, seriously, God sent his son to earth to die on a cross. How many good deeds is that worth? You know? You, you can't do anything by that. Serving can be motivated by a lot of things, but I'll tell you what, if it's not motivated by the gospel and the love of God in your life and the love for God flowing out of your life, it isn't motivated by those things, I'll, I know where you'll end. Burn out, bitter, mad, mad at the church, mad at somebody in the church, or maybe someone in the community, and you're sitting there going, well, I don't know if I'm working out of self-interest or not, but I'm mad at some people. Do some reverse thinking there. You'll be okay. So we have to start with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we have to realize that being a Christian is following Jesus. Being a Christian is following Jesus, not just believing in Jesus. 
Not just saying, oh yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, I believe in God. Real Christianity starts with a thinking that turns into a doing. And if your life doesn't have the action part, then you need to go back and reevaluate the thinking part. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, Among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're following Jesus, guys, you're following a servant. Jesus came to earth to serve us. I didn't say you deserved it. I say that's what he did. He just came to serve. And in the most beautiful and graphic and dramatic display in John 13, he came and actually washed the feet of his disciples as in the appearance of an actual slave. He came to serve. And his whole ministry was serving. In fact, that's what the word ministry means. It means to serve. And so when you talk about having a ministry, you're talking about serving people. And so Jesus came and everything he did was serving. He, when he taught, he was serving. When he healed people, when he raised them from the dead, when he fed them, all of these things are Jesus serving human beings. The creator serving the created. And so when you, you come back to the gospel and lay that foundation I'm not moving in a place where I'm trying to please God or impress God. I'm moving out of a place of God's magnificent love for me. I, I don't have to please God because Christ pleases God. And I live in Him, and He lives in me. And so out of that place of serving, and we follow Jesus' pattern, now we are free to actually serve without self-interest, as impossible as that sounds. And I am not questioning the difficulty of serving out of a place without self-interest. Because the basis of serving is the gospel. But the barrier of serving is you and me. We really like us. Don't, do you like you? Like, well, even the days you don't like you, that's a self-interest pride thing, by the way, just throwing that out there. And so what we're talking about as we rethink church, kind of the core idea is this isn't about me. It's not about me. Man, that's hard, isn't it? We should say it together. You want to you say it together? Nope. <laughs> it's not about me. You ready? One, two, three. It's not about me. Oh, that is uncomfortable. Like a barbed wire girdle. If you know what that was a reference to, you're old. <laughs> er, older. Anyway, so, all right. All right. It's not about you. And as long as we have that me church, I got my iPhone and I go to me church, as long as we have that attitude, we're never going to be able to serve from a place that can really bless people. It's always going to be that consumer mindset. Well, the coffee's good. The message is okay. The music was all right. And so I guess I'll go back. Paul says this, let me read the verse again. You've been called to live in freedom. That means you get, you've been called to live out of the gospel, brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Don't be selfish. Don't get caught in that place where you're caught up with yourself. You have to move past that barrier of self-interest, past that barrier of it's all about me, and move into a place of freedom. So easy to get preoccupied with ourselves. Well, that hurts my feelings. Well, my schedule can't handle it. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. Whatever, whatever the excuse is. I used to be a far less kind individual. <clears throat> and if you were sitting there going, well, he's not very nice now. <laughs> I get it. But I remember many years ago, I was in a management class. I mean, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and we were typing out notes on stone. Um, and I can't remember. It was one of those DISC t- style classes, but this was before DISC came out, you know, and, and they, they were evaluating our management styles. And I was in a class of, I don't know, 50 or 60, and they had four quadrants, and one of them was sympathy. There was boldness, and I can't remember, but one of them was sympathy. I can't remember the rest. The only reason I remember that is because I was the only guy in any class they'd ever had to score zero in the sympathy part. You're like, and you're a pastor. Oh, man, that's terrifying. And they asked me about it because why wouldn't you, right? And I, I remember saying, and I don't know, I was in my early 20s or something. I remember saying, you, every person does exactly what they want to do. An excuse is just something we make for ourselves. There's no such thing. And, uh, of course, I wasn't very popular back then. Uh, <clears throat> but... My, my issue is, or my point is, we make a lot of excuses for ourselves. And we, uh, we usually know what they are when we're making them. And, and our self-interest gets in the way of what we could really be doing for others and how we could really be serving. And so today as we move into this idea of serving, it's time to get past our excuses. Time to stop finding reasons why we can't. I'm not qualified. I don't have the education, the experience, the training. I tell you, God can do so much with a willing soul and so little with a trained person who's not willing. And so just begin to move past that that blinder of self-focus. Why? Because God gave you some gifts. Gifts. God blessed you with gifts, talents, abilities, Uh, resources, relationships, all of these things are gifts that God poured into your life. And he did not give them to you expressly for you. And that's something that really has to be understood. All the gifts I have in my life, they are not mine. I am a steward of God's gifts. We have to change our thinking. And the Bible says in Corinthians 12, 7, Paul writes this. He says, a spiritual gift has been given to each of us. Everybody in the room has a spiritual gift. Now, complaining, griping, and grapevining, that's not on the list, by the way. I'll just throw that out there, you know, because it's the most annoying one. (laughs) My spiritual gift is actually sarcasm. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. That's not, not true. But he goes, every, a spiritual gift has been given to each of us so we can help each other. One translation says, so we can build each other up. So your gifts are for us. Your gifts are for us. Like today, you participated in our little rain illustration. 
You, you gave your ability for a moment in a very simple way. And look what we were able to do together. And that's, that's not even anything supernaturally empowered. Well, it might be for some of us, but, uh, you know, that's not anything that, that empowered. And so God's given us all gifts, and we need to be giving those back to the body. If we don't, it's because we're self-absorbed. We're just caught up in ourselves. And that is not Christianity. That is not faith. In fact, here's what Jesus says faith is. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, a.k.a. the gospel, you will save it. And so this is where serving comes in. Serving is an opportunity for us to lay down our lives, to, to lay down our gifts before the throne of God at the foot of the cross and use them in this body of believers or use them in the community that this body of believers exists within so that we can bless people, so that we can demonstrate Jesus Christ. And we have to get ourselves out of the way. I remember years ago reading a book by Andrew Murray uh, and I can't remember which one it was exactly. I highly recommend Andrew Murray. It may have been Abiding Christ. And he was talking about how that often in, in church or in ministry and outreach, we look at someone out in the world that has a gift. Maybe they know how to make money, or they're a banker, or they're wealthy. Maybe they're a great speaker. And, and we often say things like, man, if that, that person would, would come to faith, they could that gift would really be used for the kingdom. And Andrew Murray takes issue with that thinking. He says, your gifts, unless they are broken by the hand of God and restored through the act of crucifixion and resurrection. Until a man is broken, he cannot be used. That's how Andrew Murray would say it. And I have seen that in my own life. Raw talent, raw gifts, not enough. Only powerful when they are surrendered to Christ. Only significant when laid at his feet. Then they become mighty. Then that which few understand can become so mighty to make a huge difference in a community and in a world. So as we think about this barrier, let me challenge you. I think there are enough selfish jerks in the world. Your marriage does not need a selfish spouse in it. Your job probably does not need a new selfish employee. Your family, your friends don't need a selfish pal. So I want to challenge you to, to stop being about me, and I know it's like goes against every grain in you. I get it. That's that old sinful nature. You can read all about it in Romans chapter 8, Galatians 5. You can Bible study all afternoon and find out who you were before Christ totally changed you. But I'm challenging you to step away from that, no matter how painful it may be, and to rethink where you are. Because serving has to have a motivation. And we have to get to that place of motivation. What is it? You probably know the answer to this. So I'm getting dramatic pause. We've got the basis for serving, the gospel. The barrier is me. What's the motivation? Hmm. Love. Didn't know that, did you? Totally surprised you. And I know you're, some of you guys are sitting there going, oh, great, we're going to talk about love in church again. It's going to get all touchy-feely. Um, sometimes love is touchy-feely, and sometimes I like touchy-feely love. Sometimes love is a smack in the face. <clears throat> You're suddenly going, is he about to smack us in the face? 
No, I'm going to have Jason go do it. He likes doing that. <laughs> Just kidding. Galatians 5.13, let's finish our verse again. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. See, the opposite of selfishness is love. Loving God and others, by the way. Let me be a little bit more specific. It's more than just love. I mean, I know a lot of folks walking around like, oh, I love everybody. Don't you love people like that? I just love the whole world. Yeah, they do until the whole world pulls out in front of them in a Volkswagen, <laughs> right? I love the whole world, but you're going to die. You know, that's, that's how people are. That's how I am. Huh? It's easy to, to love the world that you don't know, that you don't talk to, you know. John said, hey, how can you say you love God who you can't see if you can't love your brother who you can? You know, that's just John. First John, simple scripture. So love is this higher thing. And God wants you first, and this is really important. First, you've got to learn to love God. I mean, have a real, live love for God. And that's a challenge for a lot of people. Like, how do I love God? I can't see him. I, I don't know what he's like. Well, I, there's a lot of ways to learn to love him. I highly recommend getting into the Bible. Now, I'm holding up the phone, but there's like 20 translations in it. So anyway, get in the Word of God. Why? Well, how does reading the Bible help me love God? Because in the Bible, you find out how God thinks, what God's like. You're going to see things in there that are going to blow your mind. Make you mad, make you sad, and make you glad. I didn't mean for that all rhyme, but maybe I'll be the rapper preacher. I wish my wife were in here for that moment because she would have just thrown up right there. So my kids know how I rap. It's very 80s and very bad. But God gives us life, gives us purpose. And when you come to faith in Christ and you make Jesus Lord of your life and the Father... God over you, you um, your purpose in life and your direction in life changes. If it doesn't, then I don't think you actually came to Christ and made him your Lord. And so when you come to him, when you come to Father, Jesus Christ, the Father comes to your life, gives you a purpose, gives us a way to leave our selfish ways and desires behind, and then he commands us to love others like we love ourselves, which is a big challenge. I mean, I really love myself. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, I hate myself. Even that self-loathing is actually just a twisted form of self-love and pride. It really is. You're preferring yourself above other people, even though it looks the opposite. It's just twisted. And so you, you have to know that God loves you. You fall in love with God, and then you start loving people as you love yourself. You start elevating them in your life. Because God... God is more concerned with the heart behind serving than he is with the acts of serving. Does that make sense? He wants you to serve out of love. Not because you're supposed to, not because it's your duty, not because you said you would, but he wants you to do it as an act of love for him first and then for other people. He's always first. Why is God always first? Because he's God. He created us. He can be first. He's the only one who's first. And so he wants us to do that. Now, Peter comes at us with this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. 
For love covers a multitude of sins. You see what love's doing there? Covering sins. The body of Christ loving each other, overcoming sin, covering it. I wonder, I wonder if we're covering it in the blood of Christ. That's what I'm thinking, but it doesn't say that in the text. Covering a multitude of sins. Verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies, not that you have, that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Man, that's a good word from Peter, uh, from the word. Good word from the word, right? So we are given these gifts, and as we move into serving each other out of loves, love, we use these gifts in our body. A couple weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago now, my wife and I were talking. And we're, we talk about ordinary faith a lot. Of course, we know the inner workings. We know the things that are needed. There's just things that we know. And so we're talking and praying about some things. And my wife is a, I believe she's an amazing teacher. In fact, the reason I don't ever have her up her speaking is because I don't want you to find out that she's way better than me. <laughs> By selfish truth, I'm just saying. It's true. And then, uh, <clears throat> and it's also nice when she's in here, she's been in kids' church this month, uh, but when she's in here, she remembers the sermon and then preaches it back to me the next week, which isn't my favorite thing, but it's necessary, just the same. But we were talking about needs, and we were particularly talking about kids' church and, you know, the workers in there and so forth, and, and my wife has a gift to teach, and she, she's like, you know, I, I really, this is where I would really love to be teaching, but you know, here's this opportunity. Not a need, it's an opportunity. Here's this opportunity, and I think I'm going to put my gift to work in kids' church. And so she started there. It's been a long time, and she worked. And before Ordinary Faith, she worked in kids' church in every church I pastored. And so, so it was kind of a big step. But then when she stepped into it, all of a sudden, man, boom, she got excited. Man, she started having all these ideas. She was driving me a little bit crazy. I hope she doesn't listen to this. She's thinking, what do you think the kids would think about this? Do you think this would get, help them memorize verses? And on and on it's going. You know, she's making stuff. She spent half the week this week working on stuff for kids' church back there. She's all excited and motivated. What happened? There was an opportunity to serve. She had a gift to serve with. She stepped into the opportunity because she loves the Father. And the Father, through her, loves those kids. Now she's excited and motivated. When you serve out of the right place, that's what it looks like. You serve out of a place where I'm tired of doing this. Oh, my goodness, not another kid's church request. <laughs> not that that would ever happen. No, no, no. You serve out of that place, you're going to end up dry and bitter. But you serve out of a place of love. You're going to serve out of a place of motivation. So think about yourself. What gifts do you have? Are you a teacher? Well, there's all kinds of opportunities to teach. Small groups, kids' church. There's all kinds of things available. There's all kinds of ways. Some of them are at ordinary faith. But I'm telling you what, there's opportunities to teach out in our community too. Budget classes. Uh, I tell you, I, we got some resources in this church I can connect you with. You can teach a lot and bless some people a lot. 
What, what, maybe, you have, maybe you don't feel comfortable teaching, but maybe you have a nice home that small groups could meet in or other folks come and gather in. It's a gift God gave you. Why not just use it and serve with that thing and open your home up for hospitality? We have a family in this church on our leadership team, the Smith family. They're not here the service, so I'll brag on them, okay, so they won't get ashamed. But I tell you what, they built their house for ministry, literally built their home for ministry, have offered their home. They've hosted weddings. One of my sons was married in their garage. I know it doesn't sound great, but they have a really nice garage. <laughs> We've had Super Bowl parties out there. Ordinary Faith technically kind of started out of their house. And, and the home they built as, a, as basically a ministry for, for this community, and just making it available. Maybe your skills organization. You know, I know some pastors in this church that can always use an organizer in their life. Uh, not me, but others, you know. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways to serve. No comments, no comments, no heckling, no heckling. So anyway, but whatever you do, serve willingly, see, serve eagerly, and see, serve out of a place of gratitude for what Christ has done. This God... Come to earth, Christ, who loved us so much that he gave up everything for us, lived a perfect life on our behalf, offered that life to the Father on a cross, and rose again to show us that it was what he did was significant and mattered and changed everything. Move out of a place like that. Serve out of a place like that. But do it out of love. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13. And it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a little bit rough. But we need to remember it. And I'm reading it out of the message because I like to make people nervous. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So as I conclude this message, talked about serving it's got to come out of the gospel you got to be free before you can give you got to get your own self-interest out of the way it's hard to not be interested in self but it's a barrier to actually serving and loving people and being free and then you got to be motivated by real love that only comes from a God who is love the closer you get to him the easier it will be to serve out of love so what do you do from there now, we've thought through these things. Today, maybe in a week, I don't know, you'll think through it some more and you'll realize, I can't rob the kingdom of my gifts another day. I've got to get invested in what God's doing. You know, one of the things I love about the kingdom is that God doesn't just save us. A lot of people think he does this, but he doesn't. God doesn't just save us and say, all right, sit there and be good until you die. That's what a lot of people think. Feel like a child, don't you? Did you ever say, I know you wouldn't say exactly like that to your kids, but you rescue them from trouble because you knew they were about to get in. You plop them down in the stair. You stay right there or you will die. <laughs> a lot of people think that's what God does. He saves us and now just try not to do anything stupid till I come back. That's not the deal. The deal is, God rescued you out of a kingdom of destruction and death. And he moved you into a new army. Onward, Christian soldiers. And he gave you a new purpose. 
And so now serving is a way to get in the game. I mean, hey, I know it's football season, and there's a lot of spectators in the room. Some of you foolishly rooting for the same team you have for years, and they're still disappointing you. <laughs> I didn't say a team. I didn't throw anything out there. You're all equally angry at me. I did well. Church is not a spectator sport. We do not sit in the stands and watch what happens. We do not armchair quarterback. We don't sit on the bench. We get in the game. And that's what serving does. Gets you in the game. We have opportunities. So I don't know. We ran out of bulletins today, but there's a, a, a insert in there. If you have one, if not, you can always uh, like tag me at the door or something. But it has on there some places. If you had some questions, you could put your name, a phone number on there, and check a box, and we'll call you and see if we can help get you connected to something. A couple things that are on my heart. One, I need a video editor for 2020. So that's a big one, I know, but I'm, God's good, and we'll, he'll provide, you know. But our worship team, our tech team needs help. Michael leads up the welcome team and the prayer team. And those are the teams. The welcome team does everything they can to connect with people once they fill out a card to follow up on those kind of things, to make sure that they do what they can to make sure every person that comes here and lets us know they came, uh, an opportunity to know about Jesus Christ. And so that's part of their job. Also, welcoming people in the building. You know, some, he's working on a section host idea where someone kind of takes charge of each little section of the church to make sure that people are welcome when they come here. Uh, the prayer team. Oh, my gosh, we need people lifting up this church in prayer. I, I need more prayers people praying before service on Saturday nights, whenever you can, just people who can pray, and then just to pray for people at the end of service. A lot of times folks have needs, and we just need someone. You don't have to be an expert, but you can be someone who's not afraid to, to pray. Obviously, there's opportunities at our kids' church. I mean, if I didn't mention the fact that they, they right now God's been moving in the church, in kids' church for the, this year, and, and things are just kind of... Uh, you know, at a good place, and so some good things are happening, and so we want to encourage you there. We've got teacher slots, support slots, facility. John's back there in the blue, and man, if you can set up a chair in Jesus' name, we got a job for you. It's all kind of things, and you know what? That's just ordinary faith, and we're not just here about ourselves. This Young at Heart Senior Center needs volunteers doing dishes throughout the week, cleaning things up, we, and we love this place and love this facility. Our community needs some things. The Urban Renewal Agency downtown is doing some amazing work down there. What am I saying? It's all kind of places to serve. We just need people to step up and serve. And we need to serve. We need a place to do that. So I'm asking you to think about it. Pray about it. And then I'm asking you to do something about it. It's okay to think. But if you think and don't do anything, what have you done? Let's pray. Father, put a challenge out there. Ask people to step up and put their actions where their faith is. I ask, Lord, that you would raise up warriors and champions to make a difference in this body and in this community. I pray, Lord, that you would just raise up folks. I would love it to be in... in to be a place in Rock Springs in 12 months or two years that we had all the people resources we could handle, that every, every entity that's doing good for this town would have the help it needs. But also, Lord, we want the body of Christ to be healthy and strong and tied together tightly. So I ask you to move. 
in the hearts of men and women. Call them to yourself. Open their eyes. Get us over ourselves. And do and serve. Because you rock. You're amazing. And we get to do this with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.